0: Yes, it's your boy Jay Barber with Studio Noise Podcast in conjunction with Stay Home Gallery. Uh, They had a little curatorial program going on, and I got teamed up with Miss Jasmine Wilson for her new show called Inward that you can find at stayhomegallery.com. It's an exhibition inspired by our collective isolation and intimate encounters with ourselves. Inward centers the work of artists who confront their beauty, identity, and personal struggles through portraiture. As I'm so glad to be talking to one of the artists from the show, Miss Jasmine Best here on the podcast. How you doing, Jasmine? I'm doing well. Yeah, so good to have you on the show. you I really like the piece that you have included in the show. And I'm gonna use that as kind of a, a framework for us to discuss um you and how you created the how you created the work, your personal uh experience with the pandemic, and your own like artistic practice uh, here coming out of the show. So tell us a little bit about yourself.
1: Okay. Uh, I'm a mixed media artist based out of Greensboro, uh, North Carolina. I consider myself a Southern artist. I've lived all throughout the Southeast. I think I'm known a lot for my textile pieces, uh, but I do work a lot in digital media.
0: And that's what this piece is. Um, the piece that you have in the show is called Self-Portrait Check-In, Digital Painted in Collage. Um, tell us about... Well, no, let's let's talk first about your experience going into the pandemic and how you felt like um, during this time.
1: Okay. Uh, well, I mean, when it first started, I think like a lot of people, I didn't really fully understand uh, how long it was going to be. Uh, I work in a company where uh, we were keeping tabs on a lot of what was happening overseas with it. And I was kind of using that to gauge it. And so when I started to transition into working from home, I originally thought that it might last a few months. Um, And I'd say for the first half of the pandemic, um, I think I really thrived in comparison to those around me. I am naturally a homebody. I work really hard to make my home as comfortable as possible. I've got my pet, I've got my plants. Um, and I think I did really well with just being, um, by myself in my home. Uh, because I think, I think part of that's cause like, I, I wasn't only child for a while before I got siblings and step siblings. And so I was always that kid who was kind of had imaginary friends and talking and playing with themselves and mm. just kind of playing like by themselves. So I think like that prepared me, uh, for this introverted, uh, time uh, during this, uh, but I think towards the second half is when I really, and I think part of that was just because, uh, like winter, um, and it getting dark out sooner and, and everything. I think that's when I really started to take a toll I mean, I think that's, that's around the time, um, that that piece was created.
0: That's interesting. You know, so up until that point, were you still creating and working or, or not?
1: I was creating i think i was creating all throughout the whole um pandemic i have a, a home studio um and so i was kind of blessed in that regards where i had a lot of friends who during this course had lost their studio spaces um but i still had i had always had access to my studio throughout the whole thing
0: right and so most of the time, what you were making was your textile based work or not
1: uh It was still a mix. Um, I think I predominantly still was making a lot of textile pieces. Um, I'm trying to think if there... I guess there was still some stuff that was digital. I think it really depended on what I had because the restrictions on... uh, A lot of my fabric pieces are made out of found materials. Mm -hmm. And so there was a lot of restrictions around like thrift stores, repurposing stores at that time. So whatever I didn't already have in my studio, um, I couldn't, I couldn't use, so I was trying to work with whatever I had already, um, in my studio, which I had, I'd, I'd, I mean, like a lot of artists I have, had accumulated a lot, um, over time. So I, you know, I could still work from that.
0: What were the um, restrictions they, at the, at the thrift stores?
1: Um, well, one of my favorite shops had pretty much just closed down Oh wow! for a while. And then I, they had moved locations to to like a larger location so that people could be spaced out once Mm -hmm. things started to open up and so they were closed for a while i had another shop that has completely closed their physical location um and i mean extensively they've just completely shut down i think they have like now at this point changed into more of like an an etsy um shop but that location is no no more um, so that's that's I mean, that's really what we were seeing in my area was a lot of local businesses that i I like to frequent for my supplies. So I try to do local or repurpose if I can, right. Um, a lot of those just were not available
0: right. So, how do you think that affected um the work you were making?
1: Uh, I mean, I had to get kind of resourceful. I couldn't just go out and hope to find something or I knew a shop would have something. I kind of had to be like, what do I have?' How can I make this work? How can I alter it? Um, And I mean, that's where working digital kind of helps because you can get whatever assets you need online if there's an image or visual. Um, I mean, there's been times in the past where if I can't find something, I will make it or make it to the best I can. So there's a certain uh, pattern or texture I can try to like replicate myself digitally because um, getting fabric printed, that didn't really stop. Uh, But Mm. just getting found fabric stopped. So I could always, if there was a certain floral print I needed, I could always make the floral myself and then have that printed.
0: I get that. Like, I I dig that. And I know that's uh, how a lot of people uh, go out and kind of (laughs) scrounge through the bins at thrift stores to find all kinds of great found objects to include into their artwork. So I know, that you know, they definitely had to change a little bit um, in how they were approaching their practice. Now, you were this uh, digital piece that you submitted to the show. Um, do you often use self-portraits as a, as a part of your work?
1: I often will use myself as reference, but a lot of times I will alter uh, the face or body so that's not quite me. Mm-hmm. Um, in this case, this was meant to be a self-portrait. Um, at the time of creating it, I was actually thinking back to the last time I had really done a self-portrait like outside of a sketchbook. And I'd realized that a lot of time had passed since then It had been several years. Mm. And so I originally had approached this as a sort of a repaint of sort of, uh, you know, where was I at a comparison to to um, to where I was when I first did that other uh, self-portraits. So that's why I had originally inspired me to, to make this one. I thought this is an interesting time to do a sort of self-portrait check-in. And so that's what originally started it. Um, but it sort of became a little um, different than what I initially thought it would be. It was sort of like once I'd finished it, I'd, I'd realized that there was far more going on in my head than just, re, uh, just sort of re-approaching a formal self-portrait.
0: Mm. And what do you think caused that?
1: Uh, I think it had been a lot about, um, well, one, just being... Uh, more secluded than I had been during the original portrait that sort of inspired this. I think during the first of portrait I, um, that this is in conversation with, I was like a student. Um, I wasn't really an uh, officially. I don't think I really considered myself officially an artist at the time because I was, um, you know, more still the student. I think I was still considering uh, my technical skills at the time. In this one, I'm far more comfortable in my technical skills. So that's not really a concern. Um, I'm far less considerate about uh, the portrait being flattering. And I think part of that comes into what I've been reading. I've been I've been very um, obsessed with uh, the book Thick by uh, Dr. Tressy um, McMillan-Kautam. And there's this chapter about race and capital and beauty and it, this weird intersection um, that places a lot of Black uh, femmes at with beauty and how it's sort of this uh the sort of the stakes game where we have high stakes but none of the capital in it and I so I I think I was thinking a lot about that so when I finished the piece I realized that there was a lot of considerations that I had given in my last self-portraits about flattering angles Mm. and stuff like that that I was not considering when I made this piece that I was considering more so um what would be what is a self-portrait of me at this moment as an artist, as a person?
0: Did you think it had more of an intention of purposely showing yourself as you are or as a better representation of yourself? Does, does that make does the question make sense? Uh, I ask this yeah. question to other um, artists from the show.
1: Um, I think it's more of as I am not so much a better representation because I think the other one definitely represented me at that moment in the sense that I would consider those things. Mm -hmm. I think this one definitely was me at that moment because I think um, it conveys more so how I was feeling. I don't think I realized how uh, tired I was until Mm. I had kind of put it into the piece. Um, I don't think I really had realized how much I had been contemplating uh, about uh, the isolation at the time until I, I kind of recognized in the piece as I was going. Um, and I think part of that was cause I could focus on those things while working and less so on, um, like the technical abilities of it or, um, who I wanted to be or who I thought I was.
0: Mm-hmm. You mentioned that you said you were more isolated in this incident than you were before, like in the pandemic. Um, how was your situation?
1: Um, at the beginning of the pandemic, I originally did have um, people in my house. I had, um, like, family that I was renting with. Um, and since then, they had, like, kind of gone to live on their own. And so I was, I think I was I was a little bit more isolated in that sense. But I don't think I really felt it till around that time just because um, of, like, seasonal. Uh, right. I mean, like, not necessarily seasonal depression. I don't necessarily get that per se. But I definitely am affected by um late fall early winter i think that's when i feel um the most drained the most secluded right and i think that's sort of when everything about uh, 2020 really caught up with me yeah because that was up to that point i felt um like i really was doing better than most were with handling it i felt like i had a lot of blessings in the sense that i was still employed i still had my home studio um i was still creating i was still um I was still keeping up my life as much as I could at that time. Um, but despite those things, those things were starting to catch up with me. And I think it's reflected in the piece.
0: Right. And I, I think it's one of those self-assessment things. Uh, a lot of people feel that don't know why they feel that same way, like during the fall. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. Uh, and, it, and it is, uh, you know, the world affects you like in in ways that you can't begin to understand. So it's interesting that you did take note of that as you were working. Like as as part of this picture, like you include a lot of um, different textures and stuff in there. Is that, uh, was that intentional or purposeful or was it, um, or what was the idea behind it?
1: Uh, That is, well, intentional. I do a lot of florals. Um, In my textiles and digital pieces, for me, floral on black is something that's a theme that shows up in my work. It often represents black femininity. Um, In this case, these were collaged textiles that I had that I collaged in to the piece as sort of a conversation originally to um, the original self-portrait. The original self-portrait, I had collaged elements, but I had a collage in a completely different um, technique at the time. I don't think I really, um, I didn't quite have the grasp on the themes of my work back then as I do now. And so I, I had those, it's kind of clodged in as sort of a nod to that past as well as more of my current practice.
0: Absolutely. I and mean, tell me a little bit about kind of, um, one of your, from your artist statements, it talks about dialogues about the Southern film Southern black Southern film identity and predominantly white spaces. Tell me a little bit about that as a foundation of your work and how you see that functioning like in the pandemic while you were in the process and now coming out of the pandemic. um, Where do you think this has, where do you think you've settled and how you feel about it now?
1: My work, um, and I said kind of the beginning, that I identify as a Southern artist. Um, I really believe in the concept of Southern art with a capital S as its own sort of genre of art, Um, but I feel like a lot of times the narratives around Southern art um, exclude um, Black femmes, even though that's kind of a crucial part of the South's history. I pull from that just because there is just a general Southernness about myself that I cannot um, escape because it's just part of who I am. And a lot of my art pulls from personal memories and experiences. And I tend to lean a little bit into creating artworks um, surrounding, not if if not narratives around maternal figures in my life, um, either using skill sets. Like I I mean one of the reasons I work so much with textiles is because uh, I come from women who sewn who passed it on to me, who originally sewn for you know more domestic purposes, and I'm taking these domestic. Um, teachings from them, along with you know, or like personal messages from them, and I'm putting them in these contemporary spaces, often pre like historically predominantly white spaces. And during the pandemic, there was just these moments where I was still working on pieces that were definitely working under this sort of uh, personal statement. And I was wondering, you know, there was there was so much happening during last year that especially with um with the black lives matter movement where i was wondering if like just this little corner of black storytelling was even um important enough in in, in contrast to others and other stories but then there were just certain things that happened where some of the messages i was conveying about my own personal um stories that like lined up with things like i had made a piece about how Uh, sort of like Black women and Black femmes are sort of expected to kind of die out of frame. Um, There's this sort of weird cultural romantic languages around um, Black death with lynching and stuff. It's often categorized as masculine and male deaths, but when Black femmes are dying, it's usually out of frame or expected to be out of frame. And And when I was creating that piece, it lined up a lot with what was happening with Brianna Taylor and the court case with that, and it was these weird parallels that were happening, um, like just throughout the year, um, with some of the stories I was I was trying to tell.
0: Oh no! I, <laughs> so I was just listening to you and 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 thinking about um, the ways that it did uh, really affect people and artists in the South and and how we had to start to see ourselves right. Especially in cases like Brianna Taylor and George Floyd, and kind of the you know the black squares on Instagram and everything that that followed it, the quote unquote you know, black movement that happened like afterwards. Like, what was your feelings about that?
1: I think a lot of the feelings I had around that I kind of had to just put into work. There was this, I mean, there's this constant balance that I think every person of color in western in western society kind of has to do where they have to kind of do what they can to protect themselves emotionally
0: mm-hmm.
1: um to not over consume the amount of media on it but also still be aware of what's happening mm-hmm. um and i think a for a good chunk of last year i tried to just kind of disengage from it because I knew if I engaged too much, I would just, I would just break. And so I focused on sort of separating myself in this, not really a bubble per se, where I was focusing on how I felt about this, about what was happening, my initial feelings about what was happening without trying to consume too much of what was continuing, Mm -hmm. just so I could keep pushing pushing through I was doing a lot of work in compare in comparing um black femmes to uh to southern uh, plant weeds and as I kept working through that um I had to kind of work through that in a bubble but when I came out the bubble um everything was still as it was before it was just as bad and so it lined up with it still um and I think if I had engaged too much I don't think I could have finished that work where I was telling about the narrative of how a lot of plants in America, especially in the South, were brought over from Asia and Africa for a specific task or purpose, like a lot of um, Black women were. and But once they were kind of here and they thrived too much, or in the case of the weeds, they would overgrow, become like an invasive species or what have you, they were uh, deemed undesirable and sort of banished from the garden and deemed weeds. And I kind of had to focus on that to kind of get through how un, how cast out. Um, I think a lot of us were feeling at this time from this place that was the you know the garden of that is America.
0: Mm. Yeah, that makes me think about the kudzu here in and in, in Georgia. Uh, same thing, same thing goes on with that. So I definitely see that correlation, uh, especially
1: with how. Sorry. No, 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 go ahead. No, go. Especially with how it went from feeling cast out to seeing, I mean, like the black squares thing where there is this sort of capital that could be gained Mm -hmm. um, from mining uh, the pain that was coming from this and how with a lot of weeds, they are still deemed weeds, but they're, if they can find a need for them still, then all of a sudden they're useful. Like you can make dandelion wine or there's people who will farm milkweed and so there became this sort of like, oh, well, you're still a weed, but if we can find a way to capitalize on it, we will, but you still will not be deemed desirable, just exploitable.
0: Right. And there's always going to be some sort of structural element that designs you, that designs your value outside of yourself, right? Right. And the same way that what we were saying about it, it became fashionable for companies to be a part of this racial awaken, awakening. awakening rather than actually do anything about the racial awakening within their own companies and systems like Amazon or like all these other people that now is coming to light that they didn't really change anything. Mm-hmm. They kind of just did the kind of black square salute and continued on with business, hoping that nobody would turn their attention towards them. So coming right. in, so coming out of uh, this and, and doing that kind of work, um, what do you think you learned? doing this whole process and now coming out that you're taking with you into the well kind of a sort of open <laughs> open america as we are now what do you think you're taking into the next body of work that you're doing
1: i i think i'm focusing a lot on personal capital whether it be um i think i pulled a lot from the weeds as well as this sort of beauteous capital concept i was really contemplating when doing the self-portrait i have to think of how how can I disengage with with capital? There is so much about existing as we are that like you just exist within the system, and so you kind of have to engage with it. But where are these small places where you, you can disengage, where you can choose to reject to to not to reject but still but still flourish mm-hmm. Because there's a certain kind of negotiation we all have to do to have capital in in a capital world. But there's certain things where it's like, where do I choose to not be exploited? Where can I find that and completely reject it, even if it may on the surface look like I'm still engaging with it?
0: Right. Absolutely. When you can maintain your own agency, even as you have to compromise in certain instances, Um, still clearly making your own space. So I, I love that about your work, yo very powerful portrait that you had into the show so I definitely want to thank you uh, for making time and coming on and talking with me tell everybody where they can find you Uh,
1: the best place to find me is on Instagram at uh, Jasmine Best Art Uh, I think I do have a TikTok under that same name but uh, that's still growing Uh, but Instagram is definitely the best place to find me and then my website is jasminebest.com
0: absolutely definitely got to keep track of you thanks for coming on the show Thanks for having me. That's it. For this special episode of Studio Noise, just think of these special episodes as the mini artist talk to go along with the show. The virtual online exhibition Inward. You can find it at stayhomegallery.com/exhibitions/inward so check out the work from the show come back listen to the artists for the show it's all a good time baby <laughs> that's what we do and of course if you like what you hear you want to hear more For Studio Noise we got over 117 episodes in the archive ready for you to check out just waiting all the artists black artists that you want to know that you need to know right here on the noise we sure do appreciate you thank you for listening come back hear the rest of the artists in the show come back for more noise and we'll see y'all next time Appreciate you.